Welcome to Bill Bronchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. Mr. Bronchick is an attorney, best-selling author, and a real estate investor with 25 years' experience. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com. Hi, I'm attorney Bill Bronchick, and in this lesson, I'd like to discuss with you how you can be a hard money lender and do hard money loans at high rates of interest, little or no risk, some risk and everything, but huge yields and not a lot of work. If that's what you've been looking for in real estate, pay attention carefully. Hard money loans are private peer-to-peer -peer loans between businesses. It's a B2B business. It's not a B to consumer business, you do not want to make loans to people who are living in the house. That's consumer loans. Way too many rules, way too many regulations, licensing, etc. We're not doing that at all. You're only going to lend to other people's businesses, i.e. in real estate, from your business to their business which owns a property that someone is not currently living in, or if it's a rental property, at least the owner is not currently living in it. It's a business to business loan. Now. Hard money lending requires that you go through quite a bit of due diligence on the borrower, the deal, and so forth. And we're going to go through those five factors that will be appropriate for you to investigate as the lender. The first one is the person. Is this person seem intelligent to you? Reliable? Do they know what they're doing? Get a resume. What's their experience? What's their background? Have they done deals like this before? or in a related business, maybe they're a contractor, maybe they're a broker, whatever. Make sure that they have some relevant experience. That doesn't mean you cannot lend to someone it's their first deal, like a newbie. However, you might want to go to the lower loan to value to lessen their risk, make them put more cash of their own in the deal. Theoretically, someone can buy a house, fix it up and resell it with a hard money loan and put no money on the table, do it with no money down. But you don't want to be that lender if this person is inexperienced. You only want to do that with a very experienced person. And still, you only want to do it at a reasonably low loan to value. No 80%, no 90% like banks do. We're talking 65 to 70% tops loan to value. The next thing you want to look at is the deal. Does the deal make sense? And now you're going to want the borrower or would-be borrower to lay out in a spreadsheet or in whatever format they're comfortable with the numbers of the deal, what they're buying it for, what their closing costs are when they buy it, what their carrying costs are, what their resale costs, broker's fees, title policy, concessions, hard money costs, permits, etc, etc, etc. This will give you a lot of insight into their experience because if the deal doesn't really make sense to you that you wouldn't do the deal, then you have to really think hard whether this is the person that you want to be dealing with. They could be experienced, but just could be a, a lousy deal, and they've gone from lender to lender until they found you. So one of the best favors you can do for someone is to tell them, especially <laughs> yeah, if they're a newbie, that their deal is no good. <laughs> it's to not do the deal. You'd be doing them a favor. Don't think of hard money lending as an opportunity to foreclose on an idiot so you can get the property as steal. That's not the business that we're in. We're in the business of helping people by lending them money in a relatively safe manner where they can make some money and you can make some money and we go on our way. And again, you do not want to end up in a default. You want to get paid back with interest and points so you can keep doing it over and over and have repeat customers.
Now let's look at the collateral. That's the property. Does the property make sense? Do you want to get an appraisal maybe and make the borrower pay for it? You can do that. You get a lot of charge for an appraisal up front. This is not a consumer loan. And an inspection. And maybe even like an engineer's report or a sewer line inspection. Just every possible thing that you could think of charged all to the borrower for them to prove to you that this is a safe loan, that you wouldn't want this property back with a meth lab and a cracked foundation and a $10,000 sewer line problem that you didn't know about going in. Okay, So you want to make sure that the collateral is adequate. Also, in terms of lending money for the repairs, we're basing our loan on after repaired value. So for example, if the property is going to sell for $200 and you're going to lend a total of 70%, which is $140, and let's say they're buying it for 100 and it needs 40 in fix-up. Are you going to give them 140 at closing, 100 for the purchase, plus 40 for the fix-up? No, 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 no. You're going to do what banks do. You're going to give them enough money to close. Maybe they put up some of that money too, and they'll pay the closing costs maybe, just to make sure they have skin in the game. And then the 40 grand rehab, you're going to hold an escrow. And you're going to inch by inch, bit by bit, release it as the work gets done. So their contractor does work, you inspect it or send someone to inspect it, you should charge a fee for that by the way, and then you release money to the contractor, not to the individual, and the contractor signs a release of any wain, uh, a waiver of any lien, so they don't file a mechanics lien later for not getting paid. Okay. In addition, you, you, again, you're going to want to charge a fee each time you release the money, each time you inspect it, so they don't go you know, week by week, dollar by dollar on you. You're going to make it hurt enough so they only do it maybe three times in the whole process. When the deal is completely done, you're going to inspect it, release the final money to the contractor, and get a final waiver of lien from the contractor, and if there's any subs, from any subs. The collateral must be adequate, and you should not just do an appraisal, you should visit the property. Trust me from experience, I have made the mistake of relying on an appraisal without getting my eyeballs on a property and I lost because I ended up with something back I didn't want. Get your eyeballs on it. The appraisal is a piece of paper, it's an opinion of value. Just look at the property, go through it, make sure that the buyer is there with you, explains what he or she intends to do and make sure it all makes sense. Then we're going to look at the terms. Now, hard money, uh, we have points up front, we have monthly interest, and then we have potentially a prepayment penalty. All ways to make money. Up front, the points are percentage of the loan. So if it's a $100,000 loan, 3%, 3 points, $3,000, okay? On the monthly interest, you can charge anywhere from 10 to 21%, depending on what you want to do. And be aware that depending on what state you're doing this in, a handful of states do have a maximum interest you can charge. So some states it's 18, some states it's 21, and most states it's 21 or more for commercial loans as opposed to consumer loans, which is a lower rate. So make sure you're not exceeding that annual rate with the points and the back end and everything all in one. Now, when I say back end, what I mean is if they want a six-month loan, and they get it fixed up and sold in three months, you're only getting three months of interest. So that's why you charge three points up front. But you might also want to say if you pay it off earlier than let's say four or five months, then there's a prepayment penalty of a point or two, meaning you're guaranteed a minimum of four or five months interest regardless of whether they use it or not. 
Again, you have to do this because if you're only getting, um, uh, say, 12% interest, which is one point a month, and it's three months, you know, it sounds like a high number, but the actual dollar is just not enough to make it worthwhile for you. So for all the due diligence and all the you know, brain damage you have to do to make sure this loan is not gonna go bad, you wanna get uh, remunerated pretty well. Three points up front, maybe a prepayment penalty of a point or two, or a minimum length of time, and then um, a monthly interest rate. I like 12%, and the reason I like 12% simple interest, it's not amortized, simple interest, is that 12% is 1% a month. So a $100,000 loan is $1,000 a month. A $50,000 loan is $500 a month. It's really easy to figure out. <laughs> That's why. So if you're going to charge 12%, you might charge more points or more of a back end uh, in terms of the prepayment penalty. I also suggest that you put a default rate. That's the rate if they default, meaning six months is up and now they can't pay you or they're supposed to make monthly payments and they haven't paid them. You want to step the interest rate up to a higher rate, again, keeping in mind what the maximum you can charge by law. In my state of Colorado, it's 45%, so we usually start at 12, and then we step up to 18 or 21 upon the default. From thereafter, it accrues at a higher rate of interest. This can end up unraveling into a mess, especially if the default is not on the monthly payment, but the balloon that's come due, they haven't sold it, there's been delays in construction because of the weather, or the buyer couldn't get their financing in order quickly enough, and then all of a sudden the balance starts accruing at 21% and it gets so big that they just default. I would suggest upfront you have this discussion with your borrower, that if they need an extra month or two, it costs X dollars extra. That way you're in communication, it's not an adversarial position and you're not putting them to them so hard that they end up just walking away. That's not what you want. And by the way, I mentioned monthly payments. At 50 cents on the dollar loan, loan to value, it's possible you could have a borrower who doesn't make monthly payments. You just wrap it up accrued interest and they pay it all at the end. Even so, I like to have monthly payments because if they're going to default, you're going to want to know earlier than later. So if, if, you, if you're having the interest accrue and pay it six months, you won't know for six months whether they're going to default. Whereas you're making monthly payments, or you're collecting monthly payments, you'll know with, immediately when they default. So you'd rather know sooner than later, charge the monthly interest. Okay. And then finally, the paperwork. Uh, you're gonna wanna make sure you got a good attorney who's got the right paperwork. You're gonna have a note. Uh, you're gonna have a deed of trust or mortgage, depending on what state you're in. You're gonna have some disclosures that are required by law, but, and then some just some good CYA stuff, like an affidavit saying they're not gonna live there. That's not a consumer loan, it's not for consumer purposes and so forth. And you're gonna wanna close it at a title company or attorney's office and get a title insurance policy. Now. When someone buys a property, they get a title insurance policy called an owner's policy. That covers the ownership. The lender, if they're lending with that transaction, asks for a lender's policy. And the lender's policy guarantees that the lender is in first position. And that's where you want to be, by the way, first position, not second. There are circumstances where you can go in second, but especially as a beginner, start with first position, no more than 65 at top, 70% of ARV. Okay. In addition to that points, you've got to make sure the borrower's got money in the bank, proof of money they can make six or however many payments they're going to require to make on the loan, they pay for the closing costs, and so forth, and the appraisal, and the inspection, and so forth. Okay. So um, in that regard, you want to get a title insurance policy, and if you get it concurrent with the 
owner's policy, it's only a couple of hundred dollars, but if it's a refi loan, it could be six, seven, eight hundred dollars, a thousand dollars or more. Make sure the borrower knows this up front, they're gonna pay for that, okay? You're gonna make sure, obviously, you're gonna get insured. You want proof of insurance as a lien holder on the property. Make sure they have proof of that at closing. And you want a set of closing instructions to give to the uh, title company or closer who's closing it that says, do not release my money until the following has happened. Meaning the property's free and clear, it's now in the buyer's name, you record my lien, you give me a policy of title insurance guaranteeing that, you have proof of insurance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? Good legal advice in this regard is gonna be very important, so do not overlook the importance of the paperwork and the right paperwork. Don't pull something off the internet, LegalZoom at all. Make sure you have a good attorney who understands your state law. I hope you've enjoyed this brief discussion on hard money loans. Remember, we're going to look at the person, the deal, the collateral, the terms, and of course, the proper paperwork. I hope you've enjoyed this lesson. If you have any follow-up questions, please do shoot me an email, bill at bronchick.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Bill Bronchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com.